Hey everyone, today's podcast episode is probably going to be a little bit longer than what you're used to, um, but it's all going to be useful, especially if you're using the Stepping Stones curricular framework. Today we're going to be talking about the types of assessment that are included in the Stepping Stones curricular framework by Tina Hargaden. So every day in the daily lesson framework, and if you're not sure what that is, go back and listen to the podcast episode I recorded on that topic. There is an opportunity for student application and assessment where you are going to be formatively assessing how your kids are doing each day. So you could have them do a quick quiz, you know, true, false, yes or no questions. You could have them do the activity two truths and a lie. You could have them do a listen and draw where they're showing their comprehension. There's a ton of different strategies you can use. So that's your first way of assessing your students in the daily framework. Then at the end of each phase, so the phase is like a portion of a unit, okay? It's a portion of the cycle. It's a very specific part of the cycle. So I'll give you an example. In cycle one, which is the overarching unit, unit one, cycle one, is called description. In the description cycle, there are phases, so parts of that unit that are more specifically broken down. So cycle one, phase one, is describing settings. So at the end of each phase, and there's four phases in a cycle, and I do have another podcast episode from a while back called Cycles and Phases of What? The Moon? That kind of talks a little bit more about that structure if you want to check that out because I don't want to explain that again here. Um, So at the end of each phase, it is written that there is a checkpoint assessment. This checkpoint assessment is still more of a formative grade, and it's used to see if, you know, really your students are grasping the language functions and the literacy focus of that of that phase. So describing settings, are they able to read a passage written by the teacher and identify, you know, the main parts of a description passage? Like who is it about? Where is it taking place? When is it taking place? Identifying um, sensory details, like what can be seen or heard or things like that and so on and so forth. Are they being able to identify like the feelings and etc.? So the reading passage, basically you would type up, and the idea of a checkpoint assessment is that you can do it in one day. It's kind of like an IPA in the fact that you can test all four modes of communication in the same day. Um, So you could have them do a reading checkpoint, a listening checkpoint, a writing checkpoint, and a speaking checkpoint if you wanted to. But then they would have to be really short if you're going to get all four in during a class period probably. A lot of teachers like to pick and choose which modes they're going to use in the checkpoint. Most commonly, I like to do the interpretive modes. So I like to do reading for sure and listening assessments. And then as we're building up to the, um, to the summative assessment at the end of the cycle, once all the phases are complete, that's when I like to add in the, the more the output, the reading and the, and the speak, I mean the writing and the speaking. So a checkpoint assessment for me for cycle one, phase one might look like I have typed up a paragraph describing a picture and I'm going to give the students the picture as the visual scaffold because remember this is the first checkpoint assessment of the year and you know I'm describing what's in the picture and the weather and everything like that. So like there is a beach, it is hot and I'm doing this in target language because I'm typing it out. There's a beach, it is hot, it is sunny, there are many people at the beach, um, you know, it is the afternoon or it is August or whatever you might want to include that hits these, these items needed in that description cycle. 
And so then my students are going to, in my class, I like to have them just translate it straight into English um, because I like to see how much they're learning and how much they know. And I have them just skip a word if they don't know what it means. And then I can easily pinpoint what areas are kind of missing. Um, other people like to have them answer questions based on a rubric, like identify who it's about if you have that or where it is or what it is, when it is, um, and answer those certain questions and utilizing the different rubrics that are part of the curricular framework. Um, so I will have the students complete like, it's just like a paragraph. They're reading a paragraph and they're telling me what it means in English and then I have them self-code their work. So if I felt that it was important for them to include that it was a beach, that it was hot, that there were many people and that it was August, I'm going to have them take a highlighter and highlight in their translations those items that I looked for. And then I'm going to have them, you know, at the top of the page say, you know, if you got four out of four, you get 100%. If you got three out of the four things you needed, it's a 90%. You know, if you got two out of the four, it's an 80%. And if, you know, they miss more than that, I might have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them to see what happened or really look at what, what was missing there. And I might have them redo it. Um, and so on and so forth. So that's just one way that you could have students self-code and self-assess their work. I do the same with a listening passage. So a listening passage for cycle one, phase one describing setting, I might find a picture of something we talked about in class or something similar, depending on obviously if you want to challenge those students or not. If you have upper level kids, you could definitely give them something that's like a parallel image where you're going to hit on similar items, but it's describing a different scene. Um, so I might you know, throw up a picture of mountains, and now as I speak to the students, you know, I'm telling them about this picture out loud, like there is mountains, there is a lake, um, it is not cloudy, it is sunny, you know, there are no people, there are lots of animals. I have a picture from Banff in Canada that I like to use for this, <laughs> this cycle and phase that I'm imagining in my head right now as I record this. The first time I describe it, I have the students just sit and listen. The second time I describe it, I have the students write down what I'm saying. And the third time I describe it, I have them check over their work to make sure they didn't miss anything. And then we go through and I have them self-code their work the same way again. So I have them highlight or underline or, you know, circle the different pieces that I'm looking for them to include. And then we self-assess with the grades as well. This way you're not taking all this time to individually read through every single person's. Obviously, you're going to skim through them and page through them and look at them when you collect them um, to make sure that the kids are, you know, being honest and generally kind of taking their job seriously, which I have found 99% of my students do. Um, so for a checkpoint assessment, I usually will do reading and listening. And again, it's really only a paragraph of reading, probably basically me speaking about a paragraph, describing a picture. And then you could have the students um, do writing if you wanted to, if you had time in that same class period for that checkpoint assessment. I like to pull up pictures, especially if they're outputting more familiar items. Um, and I like to give them some choice. So maybe we had done a a picture walk where we talked about like four different pictures um, you know during our during our phase and so I'll put those four pictures up and let them pick one to describe in Spanish in the target language and then again I'm gonna have them mark you know did you talk about the weather 
Did you talk about what there is or is not in the picture? Did you talk about where it is? Did you talk about what it is, when it is? Whatever these benchmarks are that you need your students to include in their writing, I'm going to have them self-code that before they turn it into me so that it's very easy for me to see when I look at it if they have those things that draws my attention to specific areas of their writing to look at. And then the speaking for me, I do the question and answer game, or it's called the partner speaking assessment um, when you're going to do it in a more formal setting. And I have another podcast episode all about the, par- or the question and answer game if you want to go listen to that one to hear about that in depth. So a checkpoint assessment is doing all of those modes of communication, set it up like that, and there are assessment materials included in the free year of curriculum um, for Stepping Stones, which is located on the Teachers Pay Teachers CI Liftoff store, or if you're in Curriculum Club, um, they're on the Padlets where all the curriculum materials are located. So that's a checkpoint assessment. You would do those assessments in one class period. And the focus of those assessments is going to be on the phase, so describing settings. Or for cycle one, phase two, it would be describing preferences. For cycle one, phase three, it would be describing people inside and out. Then when you get to the end of phase four, you don't give another checkpoint assessment unless you really, 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 really want to. But you don't need to because you're going to do your summative portfolio assessments at the end of phase four because that is the end of cycle one. So now you're going to give them similarly created reading, listening, writing, and um, speaking assessments, but you're going to kind of include multiple parts of those different phases. So remember how I said phase one is all about describing setting, while on the summative assessment you might have a description um, that talks about you know, a setting and people's preferences and their descript- the characteristics of them inside and out, describing a past setting versus a present setting because that's what phase four is all about, describing in the past and present. Um, you might have a description of, a, of an important person of what they were like when they were younger versus what they're like now. You might have four separate reading passages that are not necessarily related together, you might have one long reading passage that includes all these aspects, right? But the idea with the summative portfolio assessment is you're including everything from the cycle and you're also making it longer and it's going to kind of take up a whole week. It's a celebration of knowledge. These shouldn't be gotcha situations. These should be situations where you know these students are going to find success on these assessments. And basically for, you know, Monday, of SPA week, Summative Portfolio Assessment Week, um, you would have the students do their reading. And then because it's longer, it's going to, you know, it's more than just one paragraph, it's going to take them a longer time to actually read and write out their answers. And then you're going to have them self-code and self-assess their work again. And again, if you're using the Stepping Stones curricular framework, you should go ahead and take a look at the rubrics and writing continua um, that are located in the clubhouse and on those padlets. And we can help you in the curriculum club Facebook group with more questions. So, and then if you're done, if you get done with that that reading at the end of class and you want to maybe have, you know, just game time or relax time or maybe watch a Senior Wooly video together or watch a Dreaming Spanish video, something just for fun. Because it's kind of like, you don't want to like weigh them down with every minute of class filled when they just have spent the last 30 minutes reading in Spanish, writing what it means and self-coding their work, you know? And so the idea is it's kind of a week where, yes, you're going to have to look through and kind of 
calculate these scores, but the students should have self-coded and self-assessed their work before they gave it to you, which should make it quicker to page through and flip through to see how they're doing. Then on Tuesday, you would do maybe the listening or you would maybe do the writing, however you want to set it up so it makes the most sense because while they're doing that next day's work, so maybe you actually do the listening first because that's more teacher work up front, or you could record a video of yourself doing the listening and have them watch that if you wanted to, if you didn't want to be standing up in front of the class every class period repeating the same things. Um, you could do the listening first and then on Tuesday while they're doing the reading, that gives you an opportunity to look through their listening assessments for Monday, right? And then on Wednesday, maybe now you're going to have them do the writing assessment and that gives you an opportunity for, them to, for you to look through their reading self-coded assessments from the day before. And then on Thursday, you're going to have the students maybe do the partner speaking assessment or the Q&A game for their speaking assessment. And, um, and obviously that's going to be teacher led. And so you're not going to have an opportunity to look at the writing assessments that day. Um, but by then, hopefully you've kind of divvied up your week so that you can kind of spread these things out. And then on Friday, a lot of teachers like to play the word chunk team game um, or do other activities or games like you could do a gim kit day or something else um we're kind of like just celebrating the end of the week the end of the cycle the end of the assessments um and you could wrap up any loose ends with students if you needed to i on that last day like to have my students complete a portfolio reflection so basically sometimes it has to wait till the next week if i'm not quick enough kind of skimming through their papers and handing them back to them but i like to create physical portfolios in my classroom to collect these things so i will actually have like manila folders with each kid's name on them and i have them from fifth through eighth grade so i actually start their portfolios in fifth grade and then we keep adding to them for four years so they can see their growth over that time these are also a really great thing to pull out at parent teacher conferences especially if parents ever try to say my kid's not learning anything um and then you can whip out their uh their portfolio and show them what they're able to do with the language so um i have the students fill out a reflection on each assessment so it says something like during the reading assessment, I felt this way because of this. And in order to read and understand more Spanish next time, I will do this. And I do that for all of the sections, but then specifically for the writing, because I feel like the writing is where students can show and see um, more concrete examples of growth in their performance and proficiency levels. I have them actually look at an abbreviated, um, shortened kind of descriptions of the different actful performance levels. And I have them kind of evaluate their own work and say, you know, my writing piece was, you know, an intermediate low because of, and then in the description, it tells them like what they have, what they need to have for their, um, in order for it to be intermediate low, you know, like sentences and things like that. And so they would say, these are the things I wrote about, or these are the things I included in my writing, which makes it intermediate low. And next time my goal is this, and here's what I'm going to do in order to reach that goal. Um, and that might be things like read a little bit more of a challenging book during free choice reading time, copy down the shared writing and the write and discuss text and things like that. I will link my reflection sheet in the description of this podcast on the Anchor website. So if you go to anchor.fm slash preaching to acquire and you find this website, you will see that linked there. Um, 
And so that's a really good way to wrap up the week. And then I go around and I staple them all to this, you know, I pass the stapler around or I come around and staple them all together so that they have their cycle one assessments and the reflection all stapled together and they turn those into me. Um, and then I do like to kind of read through them and page through them. And I will confer with students if I don't agree with especially the writing level that they put it at. Um, so I'll kind of look at it. And if a student said that their writing was like intermediate high and it was not, I will pull them aside, you know, during class that next week and I will just touch base with them and explain to them why so they can understand it um, and we can kind of readjust their reflections. They get pretty good at coding and recognizing these things once you train them. You may want to have a sample text up there or something that you have written that you know is similar to what your students might produce as examples and kind of exemplars for them to see. Um, but that's how I do my portfolio reflections. There's a lot of teachers that do a lot of things different ways, and I'm not saying that you have to do it this way, um, but I'm sharing what I do in my classes, and it's been a really powerful tool for students to see their own growth, especially if you use Tina Hargaden's writing continuum. So she has a description writing continuum and a narration one and an um, information one and so on. So during cycle two narration, basically like writing a good story, um, I have students write at the beginning of the cycle, I tell them like write a story and then we actually look at the writing continuum and we find out what level they're at and then they're able to concretely see what steps they need to take in order to improve their narrative writing so that they can bump up higher and higher and that will also help them improve their performance and proficiency levels. So the main forms of assessment in the Stepping Stones curricular framework are that daily student application assessment, the checkpoint assessments that come at the end of a phase, and then the summative portfolio assessments that come at the end of a cycle where you're really wrapping things up that you have spent on. And the idea is that a cycle will take about five weeks and then you'll have a one week of assessment. So it's about six weeks per cycle. It can be longer if you need to. If you need more repetition, it can be a little bit shorter if you need to. Um, just make sure that you are setting your students up for success. You are backwards planning from those rubrics or from those assessments that you want them to be able to complete at the end of the cycle or phase or make sure that you are adjusting those assessments if you didn't necessarily hit on all of the things that you thought you were going to during your lessons um, so that we're setting our students up for success to celebrate what they do know instead of worrying about what they don't know. I have found in normal years, right, this last year was really hard with going virtual and hybrid and back and forth and back and forth, um, but in normal years, I have not had students do less than like B-level work on any of these summative assessments. Um, and when I notice a student is not completing something or doing the best of their ability, right, because I don't compare students to each other, I compare students to themselves, which is why it's often powerful to have these portfolios, to have this, this evidence, these examples, to have them doing the writing and the checkpoints so you can see where they are during the checkpoints, which will help indicate probably similarly how they're going to perform on the summatives. Um, sorry, I digress. Anyhow, if a student is doing less than a B, less than a C level work, I or they don't meet the benchmarks. So on a writing assessment, I might say you need to write at least five paragraphs describing someone who's important to you. Did I say five paragraphs? I meant five sentences. I would never write, make a student write five paragraphs, five sentences, one paragraph um, describing someone who's important to you. 
And if a student sits there, obviously while they're writing, I'm going to be walking around, making sure they're actually writing. I'm going to be encouraging them. I'm going to be helping them get going in case they are having a writer's block. But if a student is not doing what they need to do, I don't let them get away with that. Because number one, there could be a couple different reasons why that's happening, right? They might just be a stinker. Or maybe there's something else going on that they need our support on. They had a hard day. Something's going on in their home life. They're not thinking right, whatever, right? There's so many things that can happen. So I will pull that student aside and I will let them know that they're going to need to come back in, you know, um, in the morning during homeroom or during their lunch or during their resource time, if you have a study hall or whatever it might be, um, or maybe even class the next day, right? Maybe I won't have them do their free choice reading and I'll have them redo this assessment and I'll just say to them, hey, I know this isn't your best work or you didn't meet the expectation of five sentences. I'm going to need you to come in and redo this because I basically tell them like failing isn't an option because I know they're all capable of acquiring language. So I know that this was longer than what you're used to, and I know I had there's a lot of information in here, but please, please, please feel free to um, jump into the CI Liftoff group or the Curriculum Club private group if you're a member of Curriculum Club and ask questions about assessments as there are so many knowledgeable folks on there that have a lot of different systems and opinions and um, experiences that work well for them and for their students in addition to what I'm sharing with you now. So I hope you're having a great day, and we'll talk to you next time.